Welcome to the How to Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today we have a wonderful couple. So we have Mr. Brian Hart and Jane Esselstyn, who've been married for 20 years and have three plant-based children. And thank you so much for joining our, our podcast today. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Thanks so much for having us. Well, I, I am so excited to talk to you both of you. I mean, we were talking beforehand, and we, there's so much good information, and um, I can't wait to get started. But can you start first, just kind of tell us a little bit about you? I mean, obviously, we understand that Esselstyn name, but I want to know more about Jane Esselstyn and Brian Hart and tell me what you guys do and how you became involved in this and who would like to go first. Go ahead, Jane. I um, got involved with the whole plant-based stuff because I kind of grew up in it. Um, when I was a teenager, my parents started going plant-based or when my dad did and then my mom got on board and then I was just, I just was starting my freshman year of college. So anyway, came home for the summers and we were eating plant-based and here we go. And it just all made sense. And so I've been around this for 50, so it's 35 years or something. Wow. Um, and it's kind of like compare it sometimes to a religion because you sort of once you get it and believe in it it's so hard to have anybody change your mindset about what this is and it feels so right and head to toe in every cell and you know basically like my family we're all the same size and sort of in the same uh, shape if you will of when we all started eating this way as teenagers so it's it's great to feel unburdened by your body or fear of being on medication or disabled by something and my parents are great examples of it brian and i always are talking about how Anne nessie are the and nessie are my parents dr esselstyn and Anne esselstyn um are, <laughs> are just superheroes for us in being able to live lives that are active and medication free and you involved with your like we've got three teenagers and they are my parents like drive carpool no problem they my mom actually covered prom two proms i we were out of town speaking in wyoming and uh, tennessee and she, they had had two different proms this weekend so my mom's like i got it i got the dress got the shoes i should get home at two but i watched you know tv with one kid till two in the morning just to stay awake and anyway they're just so active alert awake present clear-eyed clear-minded and Stepping high. I'm getting carried away there. But my point is, I've been involved with them since I was a teen myself. And it's been one of the greatest gifts they've given to all of all of us. Um, and you got your RN. And, and I got, yeah, sorry, I'm getting carried away. I got my nurse and I do research with the Cleveland Clinic. And I've written a number of cookbooks. Uh, the yes. cookbook with my mom, which was a blast. <laughs> someone said oh look the Esselstyn twins have written a book you guys have such the same smile that's the first thing I noticed I was like but wow twins like I was not quite I was in the 40s and she was 80 I mean my gosh anyway <laughs> uh, and I uh here this book just came out the seven day rescue um and I did the recipe section here's the most uh, important page there you go yeah uh recipe I love it and I did all the recipes in plant strong and wow. Rip and I actually have a book coming out in January, oh. or maybe it's December. We're trying to figure out if we can get it around Christmas time or not, or the you know the winter holidays. And it's going to be called the Engine Two Cookbook, and it is awesome. Wow. It is awesome. Cool. I can't wait. 
So, now you were teeny, so you had three brothers, right? I have three brothers, correct. And then you met Brian when? Or how'd you guys meet? Brian and I met working for Outward Bound, which is, I don't know if you know what Outward Bound is. Yes. Like backpacking in the woods with mm -hmm. people anywhere from kids who are yay outdoors to kids who are adjudicated, to adults, adults who are looking for a life change or whatever. So we met with 15, 15 year olds in the woods. That was our first date. Oh, yeah. So in, the, in, the, in, the Blue, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to get into that story in a second. So Tell met, me about Brian. <laughs> we, met, we met working at Outward Bound. And I think one of the reasons that we hit it off right away is we were both plant-based. Like I was a vegetarian at that time, not a vegan or, you know, or, you know, no dairy because vegan's a dangerous word to use. It assumes a lot of things. But uh, so we, uh, that's how we met. And so I've been plant-based for since I was 22, I started, I, I went plant-based, uh, or I should say vegetarian because I was running marathons at the time and I was just trying to be healthier. And I, I was com coming out of like a college diet of just garbage. And I felt like I wanted to be a little healthier and it kind of, it stuck for me. But, uh, so we worked at Outward Bound and then I got into education, classroom education, and I taught in Vermont. And then we moved to Cleveland once we had our first child. And then, um, I got my master's degree, got into administration. I was a middle school principal, believe it or not, for a little while, uh, for five years, and that was okay. I learned a lot, but it wasn't any fun. So He's a recovering administrator. I'm a recovering administrator. <laughs> and so I started doing some consulting work in education, and now I'm back to working at a school because uh, consulting was no fun either. But, but, but because he had that free time, we call it radical sabbatical when he got to do consulting with all sorts of things. That's when we created um, some of the events we were talking about earlier that we offer. Um, wow. Yes, yes, I definitely want to segue into that. So wait, you have three kids now. How old are your kids now? 15, 17, 18. Okay. Well, they're, they're tight like mine. So. Years. Oh, I understand. <laughs> we had diapers for seven years. Oh, you seven years. They were um, four, two, and newborn. And I started medical school. They were five, three, and ten months. So I, I, oh I, I understand. <laughs> so anyway... Tell me about these awesome events. So you guys, you're amazing. I mean, I just listened to it. I was like, oh, I want to go. <laughs> so tell me about it. <laughs> I, um, every March, uh, and this, this coming up here, uh, March 10th of 2018, uh, I host a conference called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease for Women. And um, it's sort of an unwieldy title, I know, but it has to do with... I'm going to tuck the tag in. <laughs> Hey, I threw on your shirt. I have, my run, I have my running clothes on. What is it with you, Esselstyns? And there's always some surprise. <laughs> I'm sorry. So tell me about your march. <laughs> Every March, I have this event, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease for Women, because there's so many um, women are the caregivers and caretakers of the world, basically. I mean, they do so much with the care and the hands-on and the prep and the shopping and everything with food. And they are the ones who, when people are sick, they're the ones who come and help. And um, being around all this plant-based, amazing movement and lectures and workshops and conferences and immersions and things, I got sort of frustrated when like, I would be invited to do a cooking demo. You know, like here I am with all these men, 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 oftentimes just white men, 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 lecturing and -na 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 -na, and they'd have a break and here would be a, woman on stage like Jane and her mom or something and 
I, mean, I was doing research and, you know, been teaching forever. I also teach, I also teach sex ed, but I'm not doing other things. Which I, I love that. I've taught sex ed. It's so much fun. Oh, oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> so I, I'm used to teaching you talking and I was you yeah. know, just kind of frustrated with sort of this. I, mean, I love all the people I'm hearing talk, but there's so much more that can go on and other faces and voices that could be heard and anyway so kind of with brian's curricular help and design the preventive and reverse heart disease for women conference came to be and it was such a fun successful thing like our our goodie bag is a grocery bag literally filled with groceries you can go home and make a recipe that we did that day from that bag oh like, i love it hand holding from the start um, well, it begs a really important question, I think, which is that, you know, a diet and nutrition changes are so much more than information. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of people, you know, if, 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 if being healthy was about information, then we'd all be the healthiest people on earth, right? Because you just get the information and make the change. But of course, that's not what it is. There's so much in the Sorry, way the or challenging us to, uh, in, when we try to make dietary, nutritional, lifestyle changes. Right. And I think what Jane is trying to get at from her, from this kind of women's approach, and, and men are welcome, of course, at the conference. But the idea again is that yeah. is that it is like twenty percent. It's men. not just about luck. It's not just about a lecture by a doctor. It's about so many other things. It's about community. It's about people getting together and talking and sharing strategies, and being able to learn how learn some of the techniques, but also feel supported in their community. I mean, a lot of times people come to our events. And it's, and it's, they're like, oh yeah, I've been to five of these, but I come because I just need to be around people that are like me. That, so I don't feel like I'm losing my mind. So yeah. That's part of it. Food, we've, we've, we've reduced it to like food and community are what keep people uh, coming back or keep people doing this. Like they find the food keeps them going and they're feeling great or they have this great community they're a part of and that makes them feel great. It's probably what those blue zones are made up anyway. Like the community and the food keeps the blue zones living till they're a hundred and whatever. Yeah. Um, so we, we're, we're off the rails here. Your question was about events we're doing or something. Yeah, no. So we start talking about your events, but I love that that's the why. So yes. that's the why. Yeah. Of, it's that's the, always the question he asks in our marriage and every why. Yeah, yeah I love Simon Sinek's book. Why you know your why? I mean, that's is exactly why. And I exactly why. Um, but I think there's lots of that's a missing piece too with physicians and education when we reach out to patients to improve the lifestyle. Like we're just, oh, go lose weight and cut right. calories, right? But that's all we know. That's all we know. We never learn how to engage a patient, understanding the emotional, the community part. And physicians are very, at least when I trained, um, maybe more so now it's more of a team effort, but it's like you're the, you're the authority, you do what I say, this is how it is. And, you know, we're kind of quiet little creatures, take care of our patients. And, you know, we don't take those leadership community opportunities that we have. And so I'm, I, constantly call you know physicians take the the leadership opportunities you have and lead your community to a healthier place i mean and of course and of yeah. course the the structure that medicine has become is really does not lend itself to the idea of doing what dr esselstyn really has prided himself on since he started his research over 30 years ago which is spending two hours with a patient i mean that's what he says if i can't you know, he took a pay cut and took uh, a day off a week so he could do his research, research and it involved sitting with patients for two hours at a time. And what doctor yeah, does that these days? Five hours sometimes. I always rib, rib him that he's using the nursing model <laughs> <laughs> of, education, of education and Absolutely. 
and time and hands-on and hours spent sitting with somebody, which is so much more than nursing model. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you, during my education, when I was, you know, a, an intern just out of medical school and I did my ICU rotation, those nurses saved my butt. <laughs> you're like, Dr. Marvis, would you like to do this? Patients go, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> you're like, you're so freaky. I was like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not the doctor in the room, am I? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, nurses were my friends. So you, I would go to them and ask them about, you know, inpatients, like, what is this patient saying? What is the family saying? Cause they're with them and taking care of them. They're the workhorses and, yeah. and everybody in a hospital knows that. But of yeah. course the system, I mean, my point is that the system is, I mean, our uh, sister in law is a um, OBGYN and she's plant-based uh, married to Jane's brother. And um, she complains all the time about how strong, how, frustrating it is because she has these people come in you know she'll, she'll have a patient an overweight woman in her 20s who wants to get pregnant and all the complications of obesity and how that affects pregnancy and preeclampsia and all these things and she's got 15 minutes to talk to this woman about her life choices as she's about to embark on one of the most you know the important. richest yet and important and and potentially dangerous things she's ever done in her life health-wise in terms of getting pregnant and, you know, she's given 15 minutes to try to do that. And it's so challenging. And to not have a nurse who can work with her, with these patients, you know, you can imagine that whole setup. Yeah. I mean, that, and you're, and now with epigenetics and stuff, you're the health destiny of that child and even their future children, especially if you have a female child. I mean, those eggs are formed when she's carrying her baby. I mean, so there's, there's generational issues at, at risk. Right, so. Right. Um, wow, that's absolutely true. I mean, as a family doc, as I was seeing patients, it was on a productivity model, you have your base. And so I understand that 15 minute time slot. So you have to figure out how to do that. And that's really what I want to do is help physicians figure out how to do it in this model. And then maybe be able to evolve out of it when they can. Um, but many of them are stuck in that pattern. There's a lot of physician burnout, physician suicide is high. Um, it's, it's devastating. And, um, Drug addiction. I was just reading an article about opioid yeah. addiction amongst doctors and lawyers. Oh, yeah. Actually, high stress jobs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I understand it. It's, I've seen it touch lives. So, um, but you're exactly right. I think that's it's so important. And then you're you're helping those patients. Maybe you know, that's what we need is a community of people can help that doctor. The doctor's like, this is where you need to go. Go see right. Jane. And then, but this is what I want you to do. But she's going to teach you how to do it. And right. so yeah, exactly. that's exactly. absolutely. I think in essence, education is the answer, but it's got to be collaborative education, in my opinion. It can't be just go hear a lecture, read a book. It's got to be people together. In yes. the same way that as education, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I apologize. I'll really- No, I love it. I love it. But the, <laughs> um, you know, the movement now in education, which is my background, uh, is towards online, right? Online learning, online learning, online learning. And the problem, and I always tell people, oh, I'm a- I'm actually, I'm a relational educator. And whether I was like, what does that mean? It's like, well, I actually believe in the power of sitting next to somebody and working on a paper together or discussing literature or all these things, because there's a magic and there's a strength to that, that you can't get online that people try to replicate. I think that that's, that's the challenge that we face in the plant-based world is that mm. there's so much information out there and, and there's so many online conferences and podcasts, which are amazing, but I still believe in the power of being in the same room. Absolutely, because you're exactly right. So if I meet someone online, because I do a lot of stuff online, they're like, well, where can I find someone where I live? 
right, right. And, you know, and creating those resources. So hopefully as this movement grows and we bring in more health coaches and, you know, share this information, we'll be able to do that. But I want to be able to connect those people because there's, we're, we are a bit of a disconnected movement too. We have multiple silos and I'm like, Trying to touch all of them is like, okay, guys, this is all the info stuff we have. So, um, so yeah. fun whenever we get together, like we do, we have an event that's called Wrapping Your Head, Heart, and Hands Around Plant Based Eating. It's just one day. Again, everything I do is one day because people are busy. I don't like having like a weekend or a week. Everything that we do is one day long. And this Wrapping Your Head, Heart, and Hands, it's like going to camp. I mean, yes, some people find video games fun or whatever. I, I don't video games but the video games fun but coming for one day it's so fun and you meet everybody and there's just like 20 plus people and it's like going to camp for the day and it's just a blast and you want yeah. that it's almost like a hit a high that you want to have you're empowered you've made friends it feels good plus we have people make food together which i think you know breaks down those barriers they're not just sitting in a yeah. classroom listening like they actually have to put on plastic gloves and like massage kale together. I don't like the gloves. I want stuff. the microbiome. I and, like the uh, microbiome. And, uh, and so <laughs> that again is a chance for people to get their hands dirty literally and figuratively and to have an experience, you know, to essentially yeah. do what we know they'll remember, which is create a little bit of, of, of social anxiety, right? There are people they don't really know. They're meeting people for the first time. Gives them a little bit of a of a hit of like oh I better you know behave myself and and chit chat and do all that and all that great stuff that'll happen when you put people in the same. But we room. have we make like twenty two recipes that day. We we do a ton of food, and it's wow. They 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 see it, they make it, they taste it. They in their yeah. goodie bag they have Tupperware, and they oh. put those in their Tupperware and they take it home on the plane or driving, and it is it's it's great. And so much of it is because of using education around this information so that it sticks. Right. I mean, you're integrating the the doing with the education. It's fun. You're building memories and yeah. your brain starts focusing on that. I mean, if you look at everywhere in your, in your house, most people congregate, it's in the kitchen. I mean, you remember meals. It's what we were eating, when we were eating, sharing. I mean, that's most important room in the house. Absolutely. And I think that's amazing. I am so excited about that. So that's in September. Oh, this is great. No, that's, um, that's actually November 4th. Oh, that's November 4th. Okay, well, oh yeah, okay, so November 4th. We just ran at one of those events July 15th, and it was a ton of fun. Oh, okay. Another one. The reason we have it November 4th is it's, it's our holiday edition, because we're, we're entering into a big, you know, Thanksgiving, Canadian or American. Um, we have lots of Canadians who come from, like, the Toronto area down to Cleveland for this event. Nice. Awesome. Um, so I can't, we can't say standard American diet, we have to say SCAD, which is the standard Canadian American diet. And, Cana uh, and Canadians, especially with the poutine stuff is really, uh. Yeah, and their Canadian bacon and, oh, or their, I don't call You know what poutine bacon. is? <laughs> no. Okay. Do you poutine? ready? Do you want to hear it? Okay. <laughs> it's, go ahead. It's, it's gravy and drippings with, um, cheese curds like balls of cheese, cheese curds. curds and so when you eat it it squeaks <laughs> so the canadians always have to explain to it what it is poutine oh. my, my dog we take her to camp up in canada and when i we were looking at this like rest this bunch of restaurants in the food court area she's like look you can get s'mores on your fries and i'm like <laughs> that's so weird because we thought it was like chocolate and marshmallows it was gravy and cheese curds it looks like of yeah. soup of some more. Oh. 
Anyway. And we were just in Ireland. They're pretty good. Ireland's pretty good, too, about making some pretty scary things. But we won't talk about that. We were just there. But I was speaking with the happy pair, these great twins who are making a big difference in Ireland. They're awesome. Yeah, I've, I've seen them. Uh, I've been on their website. I subscribed to their email list. They're great. Lovely. They are so yeah, they're great. great. We love them. Way too much energy. Yeah. <laughs> they're addicted. Like you're, you know, we were doing handstands and diving and see ourselves. We went swimming. Yeah, they're like, you got to get up at five a.m. and go swimming in the Irish. <laughs> no, half four. <laughs> oh, half four. Like four thirty in the morning. I'm like. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I just I just spoke with them in Ireland last exactly a month ago. Almost. Yeah. Cool. And wow. It was flat. We all hiked through Ireland with our kids. Um, wow. Anyway, we, we let you ask a question because yeah. we're no, I love it. No, <laughs> but you know, that's what the people really enjoy is when they listen to the podcast. They're like, it's just like a conversation. Like you've known them for was Like, absolutely. Because that's, that's a conversation I would want to hear and listen to because that's really you and your authentic self. And I mean, that's amazing. I, I love this. So November 4th, and that'll be in Cleveland. Where in Cleveland? At the Cleveland Clinic? Um, the, at the Cleveland... Cleveland. No, uh, Concord Township, which is this place, um, our fan, it's a place called The Knob, and it's mm -hmm. our private residence. Um, so, um, where your mom grew up. It's, yeah, rough, kind of. I mean, yeah. In that area? It's, it's like in the woods. It's kind of, it's kind of like a, it's not a cabin, but it is, has a feel of being, um, you know, this, it's a beautiful this, spot. Beautiful it's spot a really gorgeous woods. spot in the woods. And so <clears> it's, <throat> it's like, a, it's more like a retreat. It feels that yeah, way. That's a better Cool. Way. Wow. And, so we have 25 people can fit and we just tuck in there for the day and we, then we tuck into a bunch of food. Um, and one of the, one of the whole points of the, of the uh, day is to make sure people realize that you can eat plant-based and, and be really full. Like we, we almost, really we almost like make it ridiculous. Like we have so much food. And so anybody who says like, Oh, I don't feel satisfied or I, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling full. Like that's just doesn't happen at, the, at that event. You know, and that's what I would encourage patients is like, you need to eat till you're full. I mean, and don't worry about the cuts because there'll be less calories. And right. I never had that complaint as long as they were eating a full spectrum, you know, your grains, your beans, your fruits and vegetables, as long as they didn't just focus on fruits and vegetables alone, but added those other elements. I mean, they're, they never had that complaint. <laughs> right. You want people to feel like, no, no more food. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, right. We start making dinner at like 430. And they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then by like 5.15, when they're making their appetizer and then they're going up to this bar of all these, all this 12 different recipes they've made at dinner, um, it's, it's all gone. They eat it all. And then That's Dr. Great. Esselstyn comes for dinner. So it's nice. He Aww. moves around to different tables he and, asks, and asks questions. And people get to ask questions and he answers them. And it's almost like you get, basically you get a little bit of like a mini appointment with Dr. Esselstyn too. So it's a great that that is fantastic. So now, Brian, you also wrote an article recently, and uh, calling all rebels. Tell me about it because I'm so excited to go get it. There it is, a naked food. Well, yeah. So so now you're gonna you're gonna so uh, you know the whole plant based thing. I mean, Jane's family has come from a calling. Wait, calling all rebels. Sorry, so, I so love it. Jane's family came into the whole plant-based thing um, from, a, from a research and health side. And I think I came into a kind of the plant-based thing early on as I read a book called Diet for a New America by um, John Robbins. And mm -hmm. I sort of, I kind of came at it from an environmental and a, it was also health related, but I was in my 20s when I first 
kind of got into it and started learning about it. But I also was looking at sort of factory farming and a lot more of like the social, political, cultural issues around, you know, the consumption of meat and, and environmental impact as an outdoor educator. And so um, fast forward, I think over time, I kind of ebb and I've ebbed, ebbed and flowed in terms of how strict I've been with my diet. Like Jane and I, when we first met, we're, we're really into like we were no oil, no cheese, no meat. But then there have been times where I've kind of let dairy back into my life and then I've gotten rid of it. I think when you're a parent, you're sort of a little more of an opportunivore. Not that I was eating meat, but I was, you know, I'd eat, put a little cream in my coffee. But anyway, so then um, moving forward, what? <laughs> I just made a... I know. So, uh, so but, but then um, I think... 20 years. 20 years. But then I, uh, I think... At, <laughs> he's, last, he's a clean guy in now. In the last 10 years, I've gotten much more clean about it and back kind of but re rediscovering in many ways the whole kind of ecological piece and i'm sure you've seen the documentary cowspiracy and you know we know those guys and uh, what the hell kip and keegan are great guys they've interviewed dr esselstyn a few times and and sort of i guess what i'm what i'm finding in the last decade i guess is i've kind of reconnected with this notion of of um, plant-based eating as an act of rebellion and i really what i mean by that is that that in this world where, especially with the current presidency, you can't blame Trump for everything, but certainly Trump is a sign of the times. And, and uh, I, I don't think the Democratic Party has done a lot of great favors for the regular working class person either. But I think we have to really look at our lifestyle and our choices is to, is to you know, claim that we stand for all these things and yet make, our, make these choices in our everyday life. And so what this article really is about in a nutshell is that every day, if you can wake up every day and eat a healthy meal, set an example for your family and essentially by example alone, tell the world that you're making a choice that's better for the planet. That's better for you. It's better for your family. And in the end might help us perhaps curb some of our huge appetites, both liter literal and figurative appetites around our consumption practices. In a way, I think that's, what's going to change the world. That's our hope at this point. Now, you know, mm. with global warming and, and everything else, I, I just am so concerned. We're, we're good friends with uh, Richard Oppenlander. Has he ever been on the podcast? Have no, ever... but I, I know of him, yes. So Dr. Oppenlander is a guy that we connected with uh, about a year ago, and he's amazing. So he's written um, uh, Food Choices and Sustainability. And he really feels, and I agree with him, is that plant-based eating actually may be our only chance because if we want to try to phase out and move to electric cars and all these things to try to essentially save the planet, that's going to take years and years. But every one of us tomorrow could go plant-based and that would have a significant effect on, on all these problems that we worry about but aren't really willing to deal with. So there's my little soapbox speech on, uh, can I on read acts a, of rebellion. And, uh, can know. I read a sentence from his, from his article? Please, please. It's kind of at the end and it's sort of a... You, just to, to make you want to read the whole article, it says, <clears throat> so become a whole food plant-based rebel. Each meal is an act of defiance. Each forkful should be seen as a fist in the air against all that you stand against and in support of all that you believe to be true. You need not take up arms or lob rocks to do this. You only need to fill your pantries with life-affirming food and share, share it and your convictions with all those around you. If someone asks you if you've become politically active in response to recent national challenges, you can respond, yes, I'm so glad you asked. I'm a proud plant-based freedom fighter, a member of the Rebel Alliance of Whole Food Plant-Based Eaters. I love that, that. That is, 
I think it's beautiful because I think it depends on, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum of conservatism, liberalism, whatever, we can all agree that we need to eat healthier. We need to be focused on our future for our children's future, our grandchildren's future. And it's concerning that so many people disengage, you know, they act the victim, but this actually gives you what you have control of is what you put in your mouth every day. And I think that's, it's empowering. That's great. It is. It is. And it's, it's, uh, you know, a good friend of ours, Adam Sud, who, um, yeah, Adam's I've been interviewed him. Yeah, so Adam is a great friend of ours, and he uh, has this great, when he tells his story of, of addiction recovery, for those of you who don't know Adam, he uh, you know, is a recovering uh, drug addict and found plant-based eating as his road to recovery. He used it. And what he says is that if every day when he was in rehab, if he could wake up and have a bowl of oatmeal and say to himself, I'm going to make this as, health, as healthy a day as I can, that that for him every meal became this stepping stone. Like if I could just make it to lunch and then at lunch, I'm going to do this. And then at dinner, I'm going to do this. Keep it very simple. And he was going to be able to essentially change himself. And now he's doing incredible work all over the country. And uh, he's really turned his life into a shining example of what you can do if you just take it one meal at a time. So it's pretty right. magical. Yeah. And I think sometimes in addiction, that's really the important thing is that it doesn't have to worry about tomorrow. Just worry about the next 60 seconds, the next right. hour, the next meal. You're exactly right. And a lot of, there's a lot of cross addiction. Um, you have alcoholics and, uh, or, and, you know, and, and it's been really interesting. The work that I've done the last year has been, I've really gotten involved with um, a lot of the mental health professionals and how I didn't understand as a primary care physician, the depth of hurt and why people develop these eating habits. And now we have this, uh, the society of this processed food that's highly addictive and it's just it's like the next crack I mean so there but it's it's acceptable for us to eat this way and it's just so frustrating I didn't understand the what I was facing as a doctor saying lose weight the traditional way I didn't get it and I don't think a lot of doctors do and I think that needs to be part of the message is this is more than just changing a plant-based diet we need to change our food environment everywhere and doctors need to be the first people to stand up and do it and stop sitting in your rooms with your door shut. It's like, stick it up. <laughs> so, wow, that's, a, that's really, I love that art. I can't wait to go. I actually, I'm going to publish this earlier so everyone will get this article sooner. I think that's fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I will publish it today. I think this is great. I mean, you know, sometimes there's a few times I'll do the podcast like, nope, we're going to publish that today. <laughs> we're not going to wait. So um, that is so important. And I'm, yeah, I, I just, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, um, so James the, tends to be the, like, the light in our marriage, and I tend to be the, like, the dark, so we have to kind of counteract <laughs> each other. Yin-yang. The yin and the yang, as they say. Um, <laughs> and, uh, well, my cup is half full and a little bubbly, and yeah. his is always like... But I, but I, um, I really, I mean, I'm just sort of overwhelmed all the time at how, at the state that we're in, and I, part of my, the, the presentations that I do on our days of working together is Jane and her dad do a lot of the science and the research. And then I do the psychology and the sociology part of it. So I do the, I take a lot of the Doug Lyle stuff. I'm sure. Have you ever interviewed Doug Lyle? I interviewed Doug Lyle last week. It was an hour and 20 minutes and we didn't even realize it had been an hour and 20 minutes. I was like, hold up. We're going to have to stop this and do this. Another one. We just, he's so brilliant. I mean, just a 10th of, not even a tenth, like Amazing. a tenth of a yeah. percent of what he talks about, the evolutionary so, uh, psychology and yeah. wow. So I do that part. I do the kind of, how wow. did we get here? What are we challenged by, you know, looking at calorie density, <laughs> looking at the psychology and the evolutionary psychology and then um, 
this other guy, Mark Cohen, Dr. Mark Cohen's written a book called Your Survival Instincts Are Killing You, which is another great book that I reference. And that to me is the part that, that um, I, I really fascinated by. Like the science I get, and it makes more sense to me every time I hear uh, Dr. Greger, or Dr. Esselstyn, or any of these other amazing docs talk, I'm like, oh yeah, that's it, that's it. Like, that's perfect. But I'm, the part that fascinates me is kind of the sociocultural, psychological side. Yeah, I mean, because if we, the work that I was doing here in Florida was like, we would put people in a, in a place where they, we fed them. I was like, the food will take care of all the chronic diseases yeah. and stuff, but I gotta make sure that when you leave here, you don't go back to your old ways, that's those habits. Like, I'm, in, I'm so infatuated with Charles Duhigg. <laughs> yeah. He's, he wrote the habit loop. Have you oh, read okay. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So I've emailed him. I'm like, he's got this crazy doctor keeps emailing. Me. I was like, I've taught this to my patients. This is what we've done. I just want to let you know. And he's like, Oh God, get away from well, me. I'm, but you know, that's fancy. So, my, so the book that I've been um, loving in recent years is uh, Mark Sunstein, uh, who did uh, it's, um, which one's that? It's, it's the book called uh, Nudge. Oh, no. I read, I've read Nudge. That's yeah. a deep, that's a, that's a, yeah. I, that's a deep book. I read that as part of a course. Wow. So libertarian, libertarian paternalism is the, is the, is the fancy term for what we're trying to do. And really what it is, is if you're a parent, you understand it because that's what, exactly what you do as a parent, which is you, you make sure that people feel like they have choices, but you want to make sure that all the choices are healthy. You know, it really looks at what. It's a benign dictatorship. Yeah. Trying, and, trying to get people to oh. make, trying to get people to make healthy choices. And defaulting to, <laughs> defaulting to the better option versus defaulting to the worse option. Uh, anyway. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I love it. No, I, I've always told my kids, too. I was like, listen, this is not a democracy. Our, your dad and I are the dictators, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. You'll be fine. And they turned out to be amazing kids. <laughs> I mean, they got some great kids. So um, that is, I love this. Oh, my gosh. We could talk for hours. So as far as, I know you guys do a lot of work also with children, like Anne, you've done. or Anne. You just said you were, your mom is your twin, and I just like had this vision of your mom. Such similar old school names. So. <laughs> but you, you did um, some research with um, the, your pediatrician, right? Your previous pediatrician, well, and which our kids, our, our kids would go to see a pediatrician. He's wonderful. He was six six, or he is six six, and he, and he was just this great big guy. And every time they ask, you know, certain questions about car seats and uh, smoke, alarms. smoke alarms and um, drinking glasses of milk. And I would say, yes, yes, no, we're not gonna drink milk. And he, and he eventually went to see my dad at the Cleveland Clinic where he worked, um, do his grand rounds. And um, he sort of got convinced and went through his own pathology situation and reversed himself. And he's like, all right, Jane, let's do some research. What should we do? Here we go. And so it was really exciting sort of creating this um, study and it was, it was comparing obese kids with high cholesterol. Um, we make them, we make a lot of them in Ohio. Cle Cleveland is special. <laughs> um, obese kids it's your specialty. Yeah, opioids uh, and fat kids. <laughs> oh, you haven't been to Colorado. <laughs> Let um, me tell you about drugs. Anyway, sorry, oh, I digress. Uh, um, so we had we had a population of these kids with a compliant parent who would be supportive, you know, with food and cooking and attitude-wise. Um, so we actually had a couple sets of data, um, but the kids we compared a plant-based diet to, to the American Heart Association diet. 
and I was the nurse who taught, you can imagine which one, oh, the plant-based diet. Oh, and, was it the paleo, huh? <laughs> and and um, so uh, we met once a week for a month, and we had biometrics before and after. I mean, not just biometrics, but we did bowels, uh, you know, blood, biometrics, breath, even. The Cleveland Clinic had all this stuff that they want to look at and research, and um, Hazen had just come out with the whole TMAO, carnitine connection then, so we kind of had access to those labs. Anyway, great study, and the by the end of the month, the we knew that anybody who's, as you know, anybody who's compliant on any diet will have a change if they're just compliant. So we knew that the AHA diet would have some success, and they did. They had smaller arm circumference, waist circumference, and um, I think like their MPO marker where their inflammation went down. But with our plant-based diet, we had a decrease in CRP, MPO, blood pressure, LDL, total cholesterol, blood sugar, nine arm circumference, body weight, BMI, everything in a month. And for these kids, you know, a month is like a you know 05 percent of their life. It's kind of a lot of their life. They just made a you know a big change in a little time. So our feedback was after this got published in February uh, 2015 in Journal of Pediatrics, um, I'm on page five in italics in the corner, as every RN is, but um, I, uh, we did another study because the feedback was not long enough. Come on, this isn't, you know, da da da, show us more. We are 11 twelfths through a one year long study at the Oh, wow. Comparing three different diets. Do you know what they were? Are they what they are? I'm guessing plant based. Uh, and Mediterranean oh. and we're using the parameters from the Predimed study minus the alcohol the wine situation with the kids and a year is about you know 10% of a kid's life in some cases and that's a long time so as we all know anybody in research knows that compliance is rough with diet no matter what they're doing and um, we are seeing you know, I, I can't say anything about it, but um, it ends soon and hopefully it'll be published soon. And um, it, it's just so interesting to work with people who, and food. And some people are like, all right, I'm interested. I'm on board. Here we go. Um, you know, we randomized these people into the diets. They knew what they might get. And it was tough to see some kids get randomized into some groups, but um, I, I really can't say more. You know how they are about research. You can't yeah. say but well, I can't a, wait to hear. Now, this is all, you're going to try and get this published also in the journal of pediatrics as well? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll, we'll do that. I mean, that's more of uh, Dr. Mackin, M-A-C-K-N-I-N. He will, I, I'm not sure where he'll, 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 he'll pitch it all, but um, we tried another art, another journal. We'll see. Let's hope. Cool. Let's hope. That's amazing. I mean, because that really is where you could influence pediatricians and then bringing this message. I mean, there's just well, so much. If, if any pediatrician is listening, the IRB was passed in 20 minutes for this. Oh, wow. So there you go. They know it's going to do no harm. They're yeah. Like, be helpful. Yeah. It, it's Except for Mediterranean. Medi oh, my God. Well, you know we can't talk about it. We can't, <laughs> we can't talk about the premise of the study. But the oils and everything. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know. I see these... It's tough to see an obese, uh, obese 12-year-old walking away with a 
gallon thing of olive oil. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's okay. My brother Rip is calling. Oh. Sometimes, sometimes his butt calls me, though, because I'm, like, on his whatever frequently called. Yeah, the, the – <laughs> I love this so much. Oh, my gosh. So, now – that is impressive. I can't wait because I'd heard your previous podcasts. Um, I'd listened to a few other ones that you've done with others, and I knew you were going to do that year-long study, but I didn't realize you were already almost a year into it. Um, that's amazing. I can't wait to read that. With that, yeah, well, you'll have to let me know or at least send me an ad because some of us don't always have access to those journals because you have to paid access. They're not free. So that would love to be able to, to get hold of that and share that with the, the folks that I know. Um, now, you also do, we just got to touch a little bit on this, sex ed with kids. I love that so much because the conversations I've had with my children, they're like, you know, no other parent talks to their kids like this. I'm like, I know, but you need to know the facts. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I've taught middle school kids. I don't know. They're just a blast. Middle, middle, school, is my, middle school is my gig. That's oh, my gig. God. They ask the most funny questions. But tell me. So fun. That's so uh, Tell me what your experience is and why you do that. Cool. Um, sorry, as soon as you asked the question, we had a thing today. Our internet yeah, website. that's what mine did too. So tell me about how you got interested in sex ed and what your thoughts and feelings are and why. I, I, information is power. Information is, it saves us. Information is what we need. If information is not permission, I don't care what your values are um, or where you come from. Just making these like I'm saying, an informed decision. We feel like that's been our ahead. sort of approach to parenting. Like, yes. we, have you seen the movie um, Captain Fantastic? No. It's, is it on Netflix? We uh, loved it. We were like, ooh, that's anyway. Kind of this the, the that guy's an extreme version, but um, <laughs> like you tell the truth. Like we've always approached our kids with, if they have a question, we're going to answer it, and we're not going to um, we're not going to candy coat it. We're not going to avoid topics. If it comes up, it comes up, and. We felt that way in everything. And so people always ask, like, when did you start talking about sex ed? I'm like, in utero. Like they were hearing it all. I um, gotta tell you this story. When my so when my daughter was two, I gave birth to my son, my second child when he was a baby, and she would see me change diapers and I she's like, What is it? That's a penis. She goes, Peanuts? And she kept calling peanuts. So yeah, but it starts then, right? You know, so like, you're absolutely right. It's not foreign and scary. So the approach is in, uh, informed decision-making. We want you to have all the information you need to make a decision in your mm. life. And that may mean in 20 years, but that may mean now. And so this is a whole other podcast. Yeah, this is a whole other podcast. All right. So we, we've got four podcasts lined up in the future now, guys. Yeah. But I, got, I got involved with this when I was uh, just starting to teach when I was 24, 25. Wow. And um, like a neighbor of mine actually taught health at school and she was going to be out of town for a week for like a wedding or a funeral. It's like, she'd go out to the Caribbean. She'd leave the country. She's like, could you take it for a week? And I was like, sure. And at the time I was applying to medical school. So I'm like, sure, I'm just working on my essays and stuff. And she's like, actually, could you take that class all year? And I was like, okay, I guess so. So I taught sex ed and then it ends up being, you know, just more teaching and on and on and on and on. So I, and I've never stopped since then. So I, not many of us, I would seek that, as you know, but there's a few of us like you and, and, and me were sort of, I, loved, I did it. I did it. Yeah. I did it a few times in Colorado and it was so much fun because kids are just so they're not used to adults saying, yeah, let's talk. Let's, let's talk about everything you're scared to ask your folks. And so our, our son just walked in. He just got back from swim practice and he's, he's, 
He's like, what's going on? Um, there he is. Oh, hi. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he, we're regular sized people. I mean, I'm 5'10", he's 6'2". He, this guy's six, six and a half, poor vegetarian or no. poor vegan plant-based kiddo. He's really short on protein. Yeah, didn't have a lot, didn't have a lot of milk, <laughs> no milk. Wow, wow. No, you're, 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 you're both, I'm only, I'm only five, seven. my husband's Filipino, so he's five, six, but all three of my kids swim competitively um, oh. as well for years. So that is, yeah, six foot, six, that's a lot of food. <laughs> and a swimmer too. They eat, <laughs> they eat so much food. So look, if you walk by, you, you think it was a twig in the wind. It, yeah, I understand. Yeah, my boys are into uh, getting swole, mom. We need muscles. Yeah, so they, they, they eat a lot of food. <laughs> they eat a lot of food. Oh, gosh. Well, so that's fabulous. So now, do you ever bring the – well, I mean, you're, you talk to women, and you're hoping these things. Do you bring in that component, I mean, that intimate so part of their life? Because that's really important. No, because the name of my talk that I give at my conference um, and our, our things is the benefits of plant-based eating above and below the belt. I'm not all about below the belt. All about the belt. Talk about, like, I mean, in middle school, all the kids in my have been watching football games in Viagra and Cialis are just, you know, talked about. So I talked about it with middle school kids. I'm going to talk about it at my conference because my dad's talking about dilation of arteries and it's all tied together down there with the dilation of the penile artery and how it works with... So yes, yeah, so talk about. We always tell Essie women's sexual pleasure. If Essie repackaged his message yeah. in, into uh, uh, erectile dysfunction, he'd make he'd make a million dollars, yeah. a zillion dollars, right? And that's well, he get he he would get much more attention, which he'd I think he wants attention. attention on the on the message. He isn't he's not looking. For no, money. he's not looking for money. I'm I'm you know. Yeah. Right, right, but I I get it, I get it. Well, that's what's important. <laughs> and I never, ever, ever talk about males. I'm not talking about females. I'm, I'm the only sister. I've got three brothers. I'm the only girl. So everything was talked about with boys. We talk about it with girls. So we talk about female anatomy and female sexual health and pleasure down there as well. Right. If we talk about that stuff with men. Right. So yes, half my talk is with adults, where I'm much more comfortable. I love this. So much. I have to go to events. I just got to see this. this is fabulous. Oh my gosh. Well, there was a book um, just written by Dr. Joel Kahn and oh, yes. Ellen Jeff Jones, The Vegan Sex. <laughs> so I've interviewed both of them and I was laughing so hard I almost fell over. I mean, it was. <laughs> they talk well, about some good stuff. To be really honest, the, the ED piece is a really interesting one. I mean, as Jane said, these middle schoolers come into health class and they're like, oh, what's, what's Vialis? What's, what are all these ads with people in bathtubs riding bicycles? Like, what's going on? You know, like, people, these kids have no idea what they're about. And so Jane's got to explain it. And, and really, it's, it's, uh, it's a crisis amongst a lot of men in their 50s and 60s. And, yeah, they're like, and, well, uh, they're like well, why is that going to happen to me? Is that the woman's fault? I mean, they, they, they get all kinds, they don't know what's going on. They don't, they don't get, like, why is this a problem? Right, right. And I, yeah, you tell them it's early death. I mean, it's sign of early they death. Think it, they think something that happens when you paint a room together, because you know how all the ads. <laughs> Those are the, oh, Lord. <laughs> you got to love it. Oh, oh, there he is. Oh, my goodness. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> the total swimmer's body right there. <laughs> Long and good. That's amazing. So I think, yeah, it's funny that you speak about the the anatomical, physiological side of it, but 
they also like I've had patients as young in their 40s and 30s with it but there's a psychological side of it too and I wasn't gonna bring it up but you know what it is if it's been ruled out that it's not psychological for like you know I'm unemployed or I'm I'm have anxiety or whatever or I know neurological you know a pedundal nerve deadened or something Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is induced, and I can't believe I'm talking about this. With you, you I know, can't un- believe you are either. But because of because the internet and the, the omnipresence of online porn, it, it causes pornography has a huge link to young, healthy males having erectile dysfunction. Because what gets them over the hedge um, is not always what this beautiful live person can do for them when they're right. so virtual. Thanks. That's a whole oh, yeah. Of itself. That's a separate podcast. And I talk about it in middle school because that's where the porn habit starts. Absolutely. And I agree 100% because I, people, mm, yeah, I, I can talk to you about that. Yeah, uh, my son, amen. My son's laughing. He's like, of course you talk about that. So I talk about it with all my kids. I, you should hear these conversations I've had with my kids. Like, you're in a car. We drive long distance. You're like, here it is. We're going to talk about this. You know, they need to understand and with relationships and the importance of that. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Don't fill your brain with crap. You're going to get crap out. I mean, come on. This is like common sense. Uh, yeah, but no, you've done your kids. They'll, they'll appreciate it later. I'm sure they appreciate it now, but even more so later when they understand, see all the problems yeah, that they're. You get some, a few fruits have, have sprouted along the way that we've seen. Yeah. Though our youngest daughter is uh, always oh. will say, Mommy, please don't talk about sex ed with my friends in the car. Just stop. Like, don't go there. And it, it just embarrassing it, me. It, of course, it <laughs> highlights the card. It brings it up. My files are open in my mind, and I'm ready to just spring. Yeah. Song yep. and song. It's a while. Oh, I've talked to my daughter's boyfriends about it. Oh, I, th- that's one of the first things I talked about with my daughter's boyfriend. Absolutely. And let me but tell all you. All <laughs> I'm like, so what's your sex ed program like? Do you guys talk about the importance of pornography and trying to live that yeah. stuff and not live it? Just Absolutely. Like, <laughs> just pray away the urge. <laughs> Prayer is a good thing. Prayer is a good thing. Oh my goodness gracious! I know. I think we had agreed to forty-five minutes. We went over, but I hope you guys don't mind. <laughs> no, no but, um, but wow, this is fabulous. So we have the conferences in November, the one in March, the article, your research is finishing up. You got a lot of exciting stuff. All the books that you've written. I mean. Wow. I'll list everything for you. Um, but I and the engine, the engine two cookbook coming out in um, I think in either December or January, right? I'm that not, is I'm not, the final is beautiful wow. pictures. Oh, oh, so yummy! I can't imagine. Yeah, I'm getting hungry just now thinking about this. So, um, <laughs> so but I like to end the the podcast. I think we need to have a second one. For sure, if that's okay with you at some point in the sure. future when you're ready. Um, and maybe, and so we don't drive you crazy. Maybe you can send us like, here's what I want you to cover because we'll cover like 25 <laughs> different times. I know. I kind of like let it. It's kind of fun to see where it grows. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, that first conversation is always fun because there's so much to talk about. And then, uh, but yeah, I, I, I could see us traveling down one lane or one rabbit hole for sure. Cause now I kind of get a, a feel for everything, but it's, sure, I, think that, I mean, I think the piece about raising plant-based kids is an interesting one. That's that a lot of people ask us questions about, and we have some ideas about that. That might be interesting to talk about. And I'm sure you have uh, as, as, as much, if not more to share about that. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you, mine were 13, 15 and 18 when I came home one night and said, we're done. And, uh, it was good, but I mean, I got a lot of thumbs down as I was learning the cooking and the differences. And 
my daughter just actually came on board fully in the last six months. So um, I understand that struggle. But that, that was the experience I had. Uh, my, my parents started when I was your kid's age, so I understand exactly what your kids are going through. And, and all three of my brothers, same way, like all 20 of us in our family, like spouses and children, there's 20 of us and we all are plant-based. Yeah. And, I, and my dad, of course, doesn't have a cook, so it was my mom and just good food that convinced him. I mean, absolutely, because my husband ended up losing 65 pounds. Um, oh, we did, he didn't have health issues, but I, I'm sure we were heading that direction. We were in our late 40s, and we can't, we can't afford, you know, well, now we were in our early 40s he then. Have, he, must been, he must be half his size. I mean, he, I mean, he was already kind of muscular, so, but, he, but he died. When we got married, I was like, well, you were really thin when we got married. We were like, what happened over all those years? And, um, I mean, he's, we obviously were very active physically with our kids, and we're hiking and running, and we do a bunch of stuff. But, um, you know, I've even done a Tough mutter with my boys, and I'm like, that's what mom should be able to do. I'm like, I don't understand if you can. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, absolutely. The, the, the context of bringing this into a family that's already got kids at different ages is so important because their people are just, they're afraid to upset their children. And I, well, you know, it does, it does raise some interesting pieces about, I think when your kids are in middle school and early high school, you want them to fit in. And, it, and I think being plant-based really creates if they haven't grown up with it, creates like a whole other reason why people are like, oh, that person's weird or that person doesn't, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it, it's really interesting that way. I, you know, how we package it, it was really interesting how my youngest took it on. So they're all, my boys are fully on board. Even now they're, my youngest is almost 19 and then Gabe, Jonathan's 21. And uh, Gabe relished being different. Like he liked being the vegan because we were in Western Colorado rifle Colorado and he was the one kid that could play you know he's played varsity baseball could catch a full game starting and then go pitch and never have any issues with a double header and the parents are like why is your kid able to do that you know he could run cross country he could do all these things and I'm like well look at how he eats so um he liked being that kid and so I think it's how the parents package it to the to the kids and how they receive it and that's that relationship too I mean you obviously have a really cool relationship with your kids. They're honest and there's communication. And it's just, there's, you know, I've taught people even how to do like timeout when they were little kids in my office. And my MA would be my medical assistant. Like you've been teaching timeout again because they hear screaming coming out of the exam room and I'm teaching the mom. It's okay. They scream and cry, but you have to be the parent here. They can't tell you to shut up and call you names. I'm like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's important. We've kind of forgot how to parent. I think I oh, believe me as a middle school administrator. <laughs> it's just it's okay to parent people. You're the adult here, so yeah, I I have love those conversations. So oh my goodness, oh yeah, we I'm gonna we're gonna set, we'll just set up a regular monthly podcast with you guys and just let me know. <laughs> um, but uh, so I just again I want to say thank you. So when I end the podcast, I'd like to acknowledge those because you guys. I think being an educator is a, such a thankless job. I mean, we've known principals and teachers and they spend so much and they sacrifice so much of their time and their spirit and their just their souls and teaching these little people and their, you know, parents are angry at them and they're, you know, blame them. And before they look and say, well, what am I, what's my responsibility as a parent to make that teacher's job easier to mold my child. And so thank you for that. And then Jane, Oh, I think nurses, I told you before, I think, um, 
are a huge part of my education and others and you're just naturally just loving people and thank you guys so much for everything that you're doing and I'm so excited to see where your your future is so well thank, thank you, you for all that you are doing oh it's a it's a blast I just like sharing the message yeah.